1: Well, we are now weeks into this global pandemic with severe limitations on movement, on gathering, on appointments. Most of us have had all of our appointments canceled. And while many of you continue to go to work every day, uh, some of you because in your work, you're able to maintain the proper amount of distancing and others because you work in essential services and we thank you for that. Many more of us are doing our part by staying at home best we can. Kids are at home, people are working from home and we're doing our best as a community to fight this together. Every day we receive updates on the increasing number of people who are testing positive for coronavirus. Many are thankfully recovering from it, but of course we know that many are also tragically dying. As the weeks stretch on, we wonder when, we wonder how this will end. We wonder what the death toll will be, what the final tally will be. We wonder what the impact all of this will have on our normal lives going forward. The truth is we are walking right here in the spring of 2020 through a valley that is shadowed by death. And we do wonder when we'll emerge. Some of us are very fearful. Others may be a bit worried about the impact this is gonna have. A few of us I think are ticked off by it. And then I'll be honest, I know there's still a few of us around who think maybe everyone's making too big of a deal of this. Some of us are struggling more than others with the isolation that this means for us because perhaps we really struggle with loneliness at the best of times and now the few social contacts we've had are really limited. Others perhaps are struggling with the isolation because it's an overwhelming reality. Now all the kids are home and I'm, I'm trying to work and I'm trying to school them and I'm trying to do all this at once in a, in a space that feels really cramped. I know that there are others, especially our healthcare workers and those working in the front lines of essential services who may even be feeling exhaustion, even feeling like they're coming to the end of their reserves. And so with all of this in mind, I ask you, what is the solid footing that we need as we walk through this dark valley? In the middle of a global pandemic, of economic meltdown, or even of anxiety that can be quite crippling, what is the solid footing, the unchanging truth that we need to have a hold of? Because what we know to be true in the darkness actually changes our experience of the darkness. That's what we're going to explore today. And for this, we're going to turn to one of the greatest psalms ever penned. A psalm that has been an anchor for people through centuries of difficulty and of darkness. We're going to turn to Psalm 23. Because through this wonderful psalm, we're able to drill down into the bedrock of unshakable faith, and I I hope and pray that it's a real encouragement to you. Let's walk through it together. I'm reading Psalm 23 from the New International Version. Uh, Many of you may have this memorized in a a different version. Uh, I know it's a popular verse or popular psalm to have memorized, but. Just read along or say it along in your head as we go through it together. It begins like this. The first three verses of Psalm 23 say, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The psalm opens up with some really comforting images, doesn't it? Images that we've often thought about images of a shepherd, of, of green pastures and still waters and, and guidance along the way. And and it's a beautiful testimony to God's goodness. As we read through it, we see the psalmist, David, talking about how God, as a shepherd, has cared for him, and he's, he's looking back, and in some ways, he's, he's giving testimony to God's goodness in his life, an affirmation that this God who watches over us is the one guiding us in life. But then, quite quickly, there's a shift in language. Right in verse 4, see if you notice it. Right in verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you with me. Did you hear the shift in language? In the first three verses, David is talking about God. You know, he guides me. He leads me. But all of a sudden, in verse four, the he becomes you. He moves to talk about God's presence with him directly. And he talks to God himself about it. He moves from, in that sense, testifying about God's goodness to others to now speaking directly to the God who is with him in his difficulty. God's presence in his darkness. The truth is, we often want God to change the circumstance that we're in. That's what we talk to him about. We think, God, I'm in a mess. Please come and change this that's going on around me. We want God to shift the landscape, to make this happen, or to make that go away. That's often what we cry out to God for. We pray for, and that's good. We should do that. God invites us to. We don't often want to be in these dark valleys, do we? We want, we just want A change to come. We want the light to dawn. We want the solution to come. Someone to flick the switch and, oh, the relief to come. That's what we want. And so we cry out to God for that. But what we discover, and we see it in this psalm, is that God most often does not come in and just change our situation directly. We live in a groaning world where brokenness and sin still ravages us. That's true. We endure physical frailty. We still experience relational troubles. That's both true at a personal level and at a global level. We see people die when they really should have lived, at least a lot longer. And we wonder, why can't things just be better? And so we cry out to God for that. We ask Him to intervene. We ask Him to make a change, to to step in and to affect things so they can get better, so this darkness can go away. But we discover that he most often doesn't actually do that. Instead of making all things better, God steps in and joins us in our darkness. In a way that's both powerful and transformative, the Good Shepherd actually walks with us in our broken situations. He he takes us by the hand so that we can follow him through the dark. Here's the truth. God did not promise that he would make our lives easier. What he promised is that he was going to make everything new. And there's a difference. That journey toward newness, that journey from death to life, from old creation to new creation, it actually passes through this darkest of valleys. This is the whole Christian story. Most of us are listening to this message somewhere around Palm Sunday, maybe on Palm Sunday. The Sunday, April 5th this year in 2020, where we celebrate the coming in of Jesus into Jerusalem. he rode this donkey and, and the crowds were praising him and, and Hosanna and salvation is here. And they're extolling Jesus and praising him. But what we all know is that this Sunday marked the beginning of the darkest valley for Jesus that this was the Passion Week for him. This was the week that then leads up inexorably to his unjust uh, trial, to his bloody crucifixion, to his death on a cross. That this Jesus who rides into all this acclaim only a week later is facing crowds that are shouting for his crucifixion. Now, he rose again, and we're going to celebrate that. But what we recognize even here in this psalm, that it's the Jesus who passed through this darkest valley, who passed through the dark valley and into resurrection, who then turns around and joins us now in the darkest valley that we're experiencing, to walk with us through a valley that he's already been through. And it's in this even though that we're experiencing that Jesus joins us. That little phrase, even though even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil because you are with me. It makes me wonder for you, what is your even though? Now, I know we're all in this sense together in this global pandemic, but we're each experiencing it in different ways. Uh, Your particular family situation, your economic situation, um, your work, um, whether you have kids that are already done with school or all of a sudden are back in your home for school. All these different things are affecting our lives in different ways. And so I wonder for you, what is your even though? When you say the words, even though I walk through the darkest valley, you are with me. What are you thinking of? Are you thinking of the economic impact this is starting to have already on your family life? Are you worried now? How am I supposed to take care of these kids now that are looking to me for instruction? Is it that your own family members, uh, by extension, are are working in in the medical field and and you're concerned for them? Is it that you yourself are looking at layoffs? Could it be that uh, anxiety that you already struggled with when life was kind of normal is now amped up because this extra stress is causing you to, to really feel it? Could it be that you've been waiting for a surgery or uh, there's been something that that needed to happen because you've been struggling physically and now that's been put off and you don't know for how long? And maybe it's just the limited movement, the lack of social connection or or the cancellation of something big like your own graduation or a future holiday. I I don't know what it is, but I'd like you to think about it today. What's your even though, even though I walk through the darkest valley? you are with me. What's your even though? Because as we move now through the rest of the psalm, we're going to explore ways that God is with us. But first, take a moment and think, what is your even though? What's the two or three things that really you're feeling it as you think about this experience we're all having? Having considered that, let's look at four ways that God is with us particularly in this darkest valley as we explore the rest of Psalm 23. There's four ways, and they come just in the immediate uh, lines that follow in Psalm 23. The first way that God is with us is that he's with us to comfort us. Right at the end of verse 4, we read, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will feel no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff of a shepherd acted as both something to give correction as well as to give direction. Correction and direction. And we can wonder, well, how is correction and direction a comfort to me? But the truth is, what we remember is, it's because God cares for us that he corrects us and directs us. And in an experience of great trouble, sometimes when we're feeling pressed, sometimes when we are forced to face some things that we've maybe been ignoring because we've been distracted by our work or we've been able to engage with other people, but now in this time of pressure and isolation, we're forced to look at some things, we're perhaps ready more than ever to receive God's comfort, to receive his correction and his direction. And this is a significant way that God is with us in the darkness. That as he grabs our hand, as he walks us through, he's able to correct us and direct us in a way that perhaps he wasn't able to before. We're now in a position where we have to rely upon him. We're now in a position where we have to say, well, God, show me what it is that needs to change in me. Show me what it is that needs to shift. Show me where my trust needs to grow. And it's in this place of darkest valley that God brings us comfort brings us strength through his correction and his direction. He does that through the Holy Spirit, who he's given to us. The Holy Spirit who lives in us, who is God himself, gives us correction and direction through our conscience, uh, through, through things that are brought to our minds and hearts. He, he does it through the scripture as we, as we read it, as we take it in, as we memorize it, as we let the scripture be the filter through which we see our own lives and the world around us. He brings us correction and direction through this. But he also can offer correction and direction through the um, wisdom and the insight and the prayer and the challenges from our own brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow Christians, as well as even through our own history and tradition. There's a variety of ways that God does this, but his presence with us to comfort us as he corrects us and directs us is something we don't want to miss. And a real response there for us is to yield ourselves to him, even in this time of isolation or fear or difficulty, to say, God, because you are with me, I, I, I trust you. Is there something in my life you want to correct? Or is there something in my life you need to direct? I'm yours. You can do that. So that's the first way he is with us. The second way that God is with us is to provide for us. The next verse goes on to say, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And the image there is one of a like a Bedouin herder who has a big tent set up and, and someone has come in and, and claimed hospitality. And so they've brought you under their protection. And there may be wolves outside. There may be enemies that have been following you. But now you're safe in this uh, hospitality of this host. And God, who hosts us, prepares a table before us, even in what could be a hostile environment, even in a time of darkness, in a valley, in a struggle, in a pandemic? It's a beautiful image of hospitality. It's one that I encourage you to, to take into your heart and mind and even think through creatively. Maybe ask the question well, what's on my table? When I think of God sitting me down for a meal in a tent, what has God provided for me? What's on the spread? And to even creatively go through that exercise and think, well, Lord, what have you provided for me? I may be feeling a lot of anxiety or I might be be worried about some things, but let's take a moment and just take stock of, God, how you are providing for me, for us. It could be that you recognize at that moment, yes, the basic things of life. I still have food to eat. I have clean water to drink. I have a house that's warm. It could be that. It could be the recognition that you've got people around you that are concerned about you, that you can call, that have been connecting with you. It could be that you recognize that you yourself have the opportunity to care for others, to reach out, to to be concrete and practical in your care. Those are all things that God has provided for you. And then, of course, on top of it all, being reminded that he's provided for us the gift of his own son, Jesus Christ, the gift of his Holy Spirit who has come to us. When we begin to consider and take stock of all those things, that table that spread for us, before us, is, is pretty heavily laden. And uh, I think it's an opportunity in the midst of struggle to practice gratitude. To remember we have a God who is with us, even providing for us, showing us that he's with us in so many ways. And so it's a beautiful application. We've said it before, but to practice gratitude. To stop yourself in the midst of worry and say, ah, oh, look what God has provided for me. That's a sign of God being with us. The third way that God is with us is that he anoints us. That little phrase, you anoint my head with oil. All through the scriptural story, the image of a prophet or, or someone being anointed with oil, there's a sense in which that person is being consecrated, is being commissioned. Anointed one is actually what becomes our understanding of Messiah and the Christ. And and there's a sense in this this, uh, psalm, but then developed through the whole of Scripture, that we, anointed by the Holy Spirit, followers of the Messiah, we become like little Christs. We've been anointed. We've been consecrated. We've been commissioned to follow Jesus in his work. And I think there's a beautiful invitation in here, that there's, in some way, God's reminded us, because I am with you, I can turn this isolation into consecration. Because I am with you, I can turn this time where it feels like you're you're tucked away from everybody else to actually do something unique in you for service. I'm actually able to commission you in a special way for my work. Now, some of that work might actually be right at your own home. You know, I talked to Uh, an older couple in our congregation this week that believes very strongly that the work God has given them is the work of prayer. That they have been commissioned, consecrated by the Holy Spirit to labor in prayer for the church, for the valley, for the nation. And they see that as their calling right from their own home, as they themselves are very, um, maybe not on quarantine, but pretty much on quarantine in their own house. I think there's beautiful ways as we, as we see our anointing by God as something he has consecrated and commissioned us for, it can change the whole way we're seeing our work, the whole way we see our days. It could be that you work in healthcare. It could be that you work at a grocery store. It could be that there's some other essential service that you're on, or maybe you're just in work that you can continue to perform. But doesn't it make a difference to know that God is with you and he has anointed you for this? That you, as a child of God, have been consecrated and commissioned to go and serve in whatever capacity you have, but to do that as an anointed follower of Jesus, consecrated for that work? I think it could even change for some of you parents who are struggling to figure out, what do I do now that all my kids have come home and I'm trying to figure out how how to serve them and how to manage that? Let me just encourage you with this. God is with you. He anoints you for that. He consecrates you for that. He commissions you for that. And I hope that's an encouragement to you as you struggle sometimes to figure out, how do I do this thing? How do I manage this to know that you've been anointed by God for this work? There's even seniors among us, people with health vulnerabilities, each and every one of us. Friends, you are anointed. We can look and say, God, you are with me. You are anointing my head with oil. And to receive that as consecration and commission for whatever work, God has given you. That's a powerful way in which God is with us. The fourth one is that God is with us to fill us. It's that little line, my cup overflows. And in some ways, it caps off these four things. That we see how God's comfort and his provision and his anointing now culminates in his filling. And that image of us holding a cup, or us as the cup, where the Holy Spirit is filling us and we're constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit, as we're commanded to do in the New Testament, being filled with the Holy Spirit, that God himself is not only with us, but he's living in us. The image of overflowing, of course, is beautiful, because not only is God filling us, but there's a sense in which the bounty of God being poured into our lives is now overflowing to others. I was on a prayer call this week, a, a live, a Facebook live prayer call with John and Julie Wenrick. Uh, John is the uh, president uh, of our um, evangelical denom- covenant denomination. And at the end, he, he said this phrase. This was just yesterday, so uh, beautifully fits today. He said, remember this. He said, the filling is for you. The overflowing is for everyone else. And I thought that was a beautiful way of capturing my cup overflows that as God fills us up with himself he is so with us filling our heart our mind our soul our our strength enabling us to live this consecrated commissioned life as he provides for us and comforts us and gives us direction and guidance and correction that this overflow he gives to us well that just you know it drains off the cup down the table onto the floor and out into the world and there's a beautiful way where God's presence with us and in us also then results in service to others. Those are four ways that God is with us. And I I hope that's encouragement to you. The psalm then finishes with this beautiful assurance, confidence, really. It finishes like this. It says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To know that whatever happens, whatever troubles come, even sickness, even economic downturn, even job loss, all the things we worry the most about, even if they were to happen, we can know this, that the goodness and the love of God will chase us down anyway. And on top of all that, God is not only with us now, but has assured us that we will be dwelling with him forever. It caps it all off. It reminds us that, yes, right here in the midst of this darkest valley, God is with us, and he's with us to the end. I want to finish today by praying a prayer um, that I've been offering to you for a number of weeks, but I shifted it a little bit, a prayer of St. Patrick. I want to offer this version as a benediction, as a blessing to you of God's presence and God's power. I've changed the words to reflect uh, me praying this for you. So receive this today as we close. Christ with you. Christ before you. Christ behind you. Christ in you. Christ beneath you. Christ over you. Christ on your right. Christ on your left. Christ where you lie, Christ where you sit, Christ where you arise. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of you. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of you. Christ in the eye, every eye that sees you. Christ in every ear that hears you. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Christ. May your salvation, O Lord, be ever with us. Amen. As we close today, I invite you to really drink in this next powerful song by Carrie Job: I Am Not Alone. This has been a, an incredible song for us as a family during times of struggle. I know it was a huge encouragement to Tennille and past uh, physical struggles that she's had. I've shared it with other people as they've been going through times of darkness and struggle. An incredible reminder that you can sing today, that I am not alone. Even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, Jesus, you are with me. Spirit, you are in me. Father, you are holding my hand and leading me all the way. May the Lord bless you.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey. Whether you're finding Jesus for the first time, or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.